This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Late Kick is live. It is Thursday night, March 10th, year of our Lord, 2022, jam-packed, high atop a blissfully unaware downtown Nashville, Tennessee, 65 degrees, going to be like 68 degrees tomorrow, boom, winter storm tomorrow night. No one knows. The only reason our staff knows is because I go to the lengths that it takes to protect them and keep them safe. So hey, heads up tomorrow, probably going to snow around Nashville if you're in the area. I'll tell you where they're watching us tonight, though. Guys, they're watching us in Warm Springs, Georgia. Home of the Bullock House. I have dined there many a time. Also, Crevcore, Illinois. They're watching us there. They're watching us in Ashburn, Virginia. Sierra Vista, Arizona. They're watching us all over the place. Thank you so much for that. You know what we have to talk about tonight? You and I have to talk about quarterback battles. I had like 14 of them this morning. I asked you guys on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh, by the way, which of these battles is the most intriguing? I narrowed it down to eight. That's, that's, that's really stretching it because I really want to go past that. But I got eight of them that I want to talk to you about tonight. Uh, I think we'll learn a little bit about some of these programs in spring. I think we'll just be further confused at the end of spring with some of these other programs. Targeting. The other night we talked about targeting. And I gave you my thoughts. And most of you agreed in theory. But boy, I got a lot of phone calls after that show. Not being in trouble necessarily, but I had a lot of people. They called me up and, you know, ladies, you're not the only one who deals with it. I got mansplained to the other night, and they mansplained the legal side. I guess I got legal splained. I got attorney splained. And they told me, you know, I hear what you're saying about targeting, but there's more you need to know. Well, I have some counters for the more you need to know crowd tonight. We're going to discuss, because a lot of you got really worked up, as did I. Uh, It's Texas Mood Tracker Night, so we're going to head to Austin. I don't think the reality matches the perception there. Just going to be right up front with you. A lot of you folks think a lot of things about the way Texas must feel. I, I think you may have them pegged wrong. So we'll talk about that. Just because Quinn Ewers comes in town doesn't mean everyone's playoff or bust out there in Austin. All that plus, we are delving, as we seldom do for the first time tonight, into the treacherous waters of the Southern California real estate market. Lincoln Riley's got himself a new home, and we get to take a very, very intimate look at it. Well, because it's high-priced real estate in Southern California, so everyone's got helicopter videos made of their homes, and uh, he's no different. million. I'm going to show you what that buys you in Southern California. Hey, the favor of the week that we're asking is very simple. If you're listening on podcast or YouTube, wherever you're listening, sub. Just subscribe. That's all. You're already downloading. You're already watching it anyway. Go ahead and sub. It helps us out. There's no trick. There's nothing tied to it with a string that gets you spammed to death. There's nothing like that. It just helps us. You get the same thing you've always gotten. Uh, That's about it. Biggest compliment we got from the Late Kick Extra Pod earlier this week is I got into the first question within 20 seconds. I'm going to take that to mean you don't really care what I'm saying, so let's dive into the show as quick as we can tonight. Quarterback battles all across the country, spring practice, the curtain's kind of going up on spring. So we got to talk about some of these quarterback battles. Some of these are going to rage on, in fact, I would argue most of them will probably rage on well past spring. 
But boy, we're about to learn a lot. Let's keep in mind, this is the backdrop. With all these quarterback battles, especially every position battle, but especially quarterback battles, you always have to keep in mind now, in the transfer portal era, if any of these guys gets the slightest whiff that they're definitely not starting here this fall, the portal's right there, they could be in it. You just, you're, you're sound asleep, 3 a.m. as a coach, and all of a sudden you hear a noise. Your quarterback's gone. You wake up the next morning, quarterback's gone. So keep that in mind, because some of these places, like the first one we're going to talk about here, LSU, it's not one or two names. It's like three or four names we're talking about, although there's a, a pretty good reason to believe there's a red shirt coming for at least one. So let's start with LSU, and let's take a look, you and I, at some of these quarterback situations, because uh, it appears that the consensus for a couple of these places is not one that I agree with, at least as it stands right now. So at LSU, the big news Sunday night was Jaden Daniels is freshly in the door now. He came to Baton Rouge by way of Arizona State. And a lot of folks think he's going to take that job. And I was talking to Colin out there in whatever we would call it, the office, I guess. I was talking to Colin out there in the office, got basketball on, 14 different monitors. So it makes you feel a lot more wealthy than you are, really, if you sit around our office. But I told him, hey, is it just me or does everyone think Jaden Daniels is going to come in and win this job? And he said, yes, kind of what I'm seeing. I don't feel that way, just, just snap of the finger, uh, foregone conclusion style. I'm not saying he's not going to win the job, but man, like I'm looking around, Miles Brennan has been around the block a time or 10 down there. He's there. Garrett Nussmeyer is no longer a true freshman. And both of those guys have tools. Both of them have adequate skill. And keep in mind, Jaden Daniels isn't some parade All-American coming in here. It's not a guy who had Arizona State on the fringes of any kind of postseason of note. Yeah, I mean, the guy has tools, but so do the other two. Uh, for that matter, Walker Howard's got tools. That's the one I think will redshirt, obviously, true freshman there. But, man, I, I, I'm very interested to see because this feels to me like one of those things where a hot name just came in and everyone gets excited about it. I think there's so much that needs to play out there. So when we start spring down in Baton Rouge, let's see how those reps are divvied up. A lot of times you learn a lot about practice and where you stand in the quarterback race by how reps are divvied up. Let's see if Jaden Daniels is the one. Because ultimately, the coaching staff just wants someone to take the job. <laughs> That's what they want. And we'll see. Uh, at Clemson, boy, this one's really fascinating. This one got mentioned to me more than anyone. I think this is probably the most intriguing national quarterback situation, only because of where we were last year. This time last year, you got Clemson as the preemptive favorite, obviously, to win the ACC and to make the playoff. And why is that? Well, yeah, Trevor Lawrence is gone, but DJ is there. And here's the added benefit. He's not a true freshman either. He got to be here one year and he got to learn. So certainly he'll be even more equipped and acclimated. And he just wasn't. He wasn't ready. He wasn't a, he wasn't a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination last year. Well, why does that entertain us now? It entertains us, at least a thought in your mind, that things could change at Clemson because you got Cade Klubnick coming in there. That's five-star quarterback, true freshman. I'm every, pretty much everyone early enrolls now. And so uh, Dabo Swinney has not been bashful about this. Dabo's talked about the spring and how pivotal it's going to be and how, yeah, of course there's going to be open competition at quarterback. Uh, but I don't think it's just coach speak. You know, I think he's going well beyond that and he's adequately assessing the situation there. And it's, it's not acceptable. Like the level of quarterback play was not acceptable for the standard that Clemson football has set for themselves. And you got a guy coming in that's going to pressure uh, DJ Uyangalale. So Either way, if you've got a culture of competition, which I think they do, this should greatly benefit Clemson. This spring period should greatly benefit Clemson. That's not the only question they have, far from it, but it is the main question. What about Florida? Billy Napier is new, so he's in Gainesville. 
And there's, there's a lot of uncertainty around the quarterback situation. So to, to refresh your memory, because you may remember something that didn't happen. If you don't follow, follow Florida football on a day-to-day basis, you may remember Emory Jones as having transferred, but he didn't. He entered the transfer portal, but he never went anywhere. So he's still at Florida. I, I, I saw a lot of you surprised by that today when I said that. So Emory Jones is still there. Emory Jones is going to go through spring practice with Florida. Anthony Richardson is the preemptive favorite to end up being the starter here. And I do agree with that sentiment. But the problem here is due to, I think, a procedure he had on his meniscus, he is probably not going to be full go in the spring. Jack Miller, who was in that three-way dance at Ohio State last year and didn't end up winning the job, he has transferred in. So those are some names. Uh, But what do we actually think here? Because I I get the sense that most Florida fans, even if Anthony Richardson's not full go in spring, they believe he possesses by far the best collection of skill and probably is going to be able to be the most functional in Billy Napier's offense. That's the ultimate guy that's going to win the job. I agree with that. Uh, But I'm very interested to see not just who wins the job. I'm interested to see what happens if at the end of Florida spring practice, it becomes kind of evident that that's the case. Part one is who's going to be the starter. Part two is, does it become obvious? And if it is obvious, well, then you got to look at what happens to the guys who aren't going to fill that starting blank and do they hit the transfer portal? Because, you know, Emory Jones has already been there once. So that's something to watch with all these programs, Florida among them. Let's go all the way out west. Let's go to Oregon. And this is another situation where if you tuned out for a little while, you know, let's say you're a Colorado fan, for example, and you guys weren't in Pac-12 championship contention, you weren't in playoff contention, so you just decided, you know what, I'm going to go enjoy Christmas, I'm going to tune out, playoff is what it is, bowl season is what it is, I need a break from this, I'm tired of it. Well, what if I told you, as you come back to the table, Bo Nix, that that Auburn kid, you know, Bo Nix, he's not an Auburn kid anymore, he's at Oregon, you guys are probably going to face him. And Ty Thompson's there too. The question a year ago was, is this Ty Thompson kid, this true freshman crown jewel, at least one of them, of Oregon's previous recruiting class, is he going to come in and end up winning the starting job? He did not end up winning the starting job. Well, now he's got a year under his belt. And yet there is perceived to be a very real battle here. In fact, most people, I've seen at least, lean Bo Nix as the default starter, just because of experience, I guess, and the unproven nature of Ty Thompson. But listen, there's a reason why Bo Nix is there. It's because his results have been sketchy at times, at best, at Auburn. Now, the counter to that is, what kind of system was he ever in that put him in a good position to develop? And I would say, well, he wasn't in one, but then I would follow that up. And this is just me arguing with myself at this point. Enjoy it. Is, uh, well, he chose to go there. You know, so all's well that ends poorly for Bo Nix at Auburn, is he walking into a situation that's more conducive to developing him? Or is this a guy who was always being held down by the system he played in and he's just ready to explode at Oregon? It's not my lean, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. But look, bigger picture here is if Ty Thompson doesn't make a big leap, I don't care who he's competing against, if he doesn't make a big leap this year, it's fair to start to just wonder, is that the player that we thought he was? Did we get what we thought we got? with Ty Thompson. I don't think that's unreasonable to start talking about in a guy's second year on campus. That's why God invented spring. So I don't want to put cart ahead of the horse here. We got to see how things play out in spring. At North Carolina, this one's going to be a little more quiet because there are not high profile names involved here, unless you follow recruiting. If you follow recruiting, not this last cycle, but cycle before last, you remember the name Drake May. Uh, Drake May was a guy who was committed to 
No, actually, yeah, it was last class. So he was committed to Alabama and then decommitted. And this wasn't one of those situations where Alabama told him, we're not going to have room for you. This was a legitimate North Carolina taking him from Alabama situation. And he was there last year. And he's the guy who's been groomed. He's the guy all North Carolina fans, and for that matter, that coaching staff, they have looked at and they said, when Sam Howell's out of here, we know he's going to be a three-and-done guy. When he goes off to the NFL, we're going to have, Sam, we're going to have um, Drake May here with one year under his belt to learn. And we may get him a little bit of mop-up duty, which they did at times last year, not much. And he's going to be the guy who takes over. Okay, well, you may ask, why am I talking about him then? Because isn't this a, a quarterback competition segment? Yeah, well, uh, you got a kid by the name of Jacoby Criswell up there, who is apparently not on board with the concept of just white flagging it and giving this job to Drake May. And Mac Brown has spoken about the two. I think their staff believes they've got two guys they can realistically win with. I don't think the staff has looked around and said quarterback's going to be the thing that holds us down this year. Now, they're not going to have a proven commodity there, but I think they feel like they got one or maybe two guys they can win with. The thing about it, though, is even though I and most people lean Drake May, it's not something that's decided right now. And for a guy who's never taken a job by the throat before, you still want to see it. If, if for nothing other than validation's purposes in your own mind, you still want to see it. Auburn is hazy. Very hazy. There are a lot of names here again. Let's see, depth and names and quality production. These aren't all coinciding all the time. So at Auburn, Bo Nix is out. So you got TJ Finley, former LSU transfer. You got Zach Calzada, recent Texas A&M transfer. Robbie Ashford is there. Some of you may not even be aware of that. Recent Oregon transfer. Demetrius Davis is there. He's the only one who hadn't transferred. Uh, but he would, I think, by most accounts, be listed third or fourth. I happen to like his skill set, but I can't get a lot of folks echoing that sentiment around the program to the point where they think he's going to be uh, a realistic candidate to start there. I have no clue, nor does anyone else around that program, who's going to be the starter here. Zach Calzada you saw him beat Alabama. Okay, that's by far the biggest uh, feather in his cap and the biggest bullet point on his resume. Uh, I, I think he played hurt most of the year last year. He's not the first guy to ever have to do that. I think he was probably a little more banged up than they let you know at Texas A&M. Uh, he's a guy, again, tools is something that's very familiar to be said about every quarterback at this level. He's got them. Uh, so does TJ Finley, and you've seen him. He's more of a known commodity around Auburn. I really don't know what they expect Robbie Ashford to bring to the table other than depth. But again, when you don't have a clearly defined pecking order and you've also got a lot of turnover on your coaching staff, keep that in mind too. Mike Bobo, offensive coordinator out the door. Anything can happen in spring. When, when you got a shakeup and you got a fresh situation on the depth chart and then also the coaching depth chart, anything can happen. Watch Auburn closely. Because I mean, that's, that's one of many issues to watch around Auburn football. But Keep an eye on that one. Now, Texas A&M, maybe unlike Auburn, A&M's a program that if I were to tell you, hey, I, I'll give you a guarantee here. A&M's really going to hit a home run at quarterback this year. They're going to really get it figured out. You would think to yourself, okay, well, if Texas A&M with that roster is going to have good quarterback play, that means they're going to be a playoff contender, right? Yeah, they probably would be. So this is a very important quarterback battle to watch as a result of that. Haynes King, remember that name? Started last year, got hurt, out for the year. Well, he's still there. Connor Wigman's the kid they just brought in. True freshman Jimbo famously at this point on our show called him the best quarterback in the country, even more so than Quinn Ewers because he was counting transfer portal guys. But also for that crowd who's been tuned out and just is now coming back to the table, 
Former LSU quarterback Max Johnson is in College Station. A lot of folks are leaning Max Johnson to win this job. This is an area where I just, I'm not going to say I disagree because I don't have a fully formed opinion yet. Here is my opinion. I don't think this is Max Johnson's job right now at all. I've seen Haynes King play for Texas A&M. So is Jimbo. I think he's a very, very good quarterback when he's fully healthy. I have to expect that he will be at some point this year. And if that's the case, uh, I, if Max Johnson wins this job, I don't think it's happening now. I don't think it's happening at the end of spring. If it happens, it's going to be one of those situations where two weeks before whoever they open against this fall, Jimbo says on a Monday morning or afternoon, I'd like to make an announcement. Max Johnson's our starting quarterback. You hear those words? Probably going to be in mid-August. Okay, not mid-March or early April. But that's what makes this really fun to watch. Because again, this is not the difference between Texas A&M trying to become bowl eligible. You're talking about the difference between floating in that nine-win range and trying to push Alabama and trying to, even if they don't win the West, trying to be in a position where, regardless, we're in the playoff picture. That quarterback situation, that's, that's going to determine that, obviously, for Texas A&M. One more I wanted to mention here before we move on, Michigan. And then I just want you to think. And if you're watching on YouTube, you already see the two names. If you're listening on podcast, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, let's see. And you remember one name. You remember Cade McNamara. Or maybe you remember J.J. McCarthy. But I don't think a lot of people remember the same two who went at it last year are kind of back again this year. So it's not a situation where, where some true freshman has walked in or some big transfers come in the door. No. Still really primarily the same two. I'm not saying there are two guys in this room, but it's the same two guys we were talking about last year. And remember the style of play that Michigan chose to employ early on. And it was Cade McNamara at the helmet quarterback. And they played, you know, they played a very, very ball control type offense. The, the week they finally opened it up, ironically, they lost. Uh, it was to Michigan State. We were at that game. But Cade McNamara carried the mail a bulk of the way. And, and you saw glimpses of J.J. McCarthy. Now, there is a couple of schools of thought. One school of thought is Harbaugh's back. He's going to go with his proven commodity. There's no reason to change things. Uh, he is very risk averse. The other school of thought is a lot of folks just thought this from the second J.J. McCarthy got on campus. It's going to take a year for him. By year two, his talent will overcome whatever the depth situation is. He'll be the starter. Hey, again, that's what we got spring practice for. Because I am one of those who has expected a move to be made by J.J. McCarthy, but that's always in the future tense. At least it has been so far. So quarterback battles all over the place. Look, a lot of you, ooh, hit the microphone. A lot of you wanted me to mention Penn State. I, I don't, I'm not looking at that that way. Drew Aller, for the record, and the reason people are asking about it, is a five-star true freshman quarterback who's come in there. And uh, as one of you so eloquently put it, it's the true freshman in Drew Aller against the 35-year-old veteran in Sean Clifford. I think it's Clifford's job. I think Drew Aller's got a very, very bright future ahead of him. Uh, but my feel on that, and I'd be happy to be proven wrong, my feel on it is it's going to be kind of a Ty Thompson situation at Oregon last year. Ty Thompson walked in, but the feedback you got is still pretty raw by college football standards, by major college football standards. We got to do some work on him. So he's not a guy who's a candidate to just come in and take the job as a true freshman. That's how I feel the Penn State quarterback situation is going to play out. And who knows? Maybe you reassess midpoint of the season, later in the season. But, but I don't view this as one of the 10 highest profile and most intriguing quarterback battles right now. Again, we'll see. That's also what Springs for. Could be proven wrong there. Um, so I get an email, or was it a text? Either, either way, here's what was important about it. I got some information that I was unaware of yesterday. 
and I immediately got in touch with our sales department. So one of you was at Academy Sports and Outdoors, and you were shopping for a tent. And that's great. Many have done that before, and I hope you found what you were looking for. But you found something that I was looking for that I didn't even know I needed. Jesse and Colin, I didn't tell you this yet. So a lot of times we look for things to liven up the set. Because right now, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of in, we're, we're in still a very corporate feeling studio. We haven't made it our own yet. You know, we haven't, we're still feeling our way out in here. And I've told Academy, just send me some stuff. We'll find places for it. But I haven't really been specific. Well, the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact, one of you sends me a picture. And it turns out at this Academy, Sports and Outdoors, yeah, they got tents. But, and this is genius, by the way, whoever's making the decisions at Academy. They have miniature versions of the tents that are little samples that you can look at. So you don't have to just look at the box. You can actually see a little scale, little mini version of the tent you're going to buy. And I was thinking to myself, listen, I, I love, our, I love our, our Pate State thermos here. There's only one of those in existence right now. I, our college football playoff thermos, I could take it or leave it. In fact, why do we advertise for an entity we are not even really about? Actually, Colin, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn that where we can't see the playoff logo. All right. Uh, and I love our stars, but I'd really love a mini tent out there. So I told Nick, our sales guy, I said, get us a mini tent. Call Academy. Do whatever we got to do to get a mini tent. And then I thought to myself, what I think you should do, even if you're not interested in a tent, it's kind of like if you're not shopping for a car. If I could get you on the lot, I may get you to buy a car. I think you guys ought to just go and check out these mini tents. Because it may make you want to buy a tent. Because I had no intention of going camping this weekend. But after I saw those mini tents, I'll tell you this. I'm a lot closer to going camping this weekend. Not this weekend because it's going to be like 17 degrees and polar bears will roam the streets of downtown Nashville. But in the near future, I will. And then I watched this documentary on national parks last night. And I didn't know that you're allowed to camp pretty much wherever you want to in a national park. I didn't know that. Uh, so I'm telling you guys all this to give you some ideas for spring recreation. And then I'm telling you right before you go, Academy Sports and Outdoors is where you want to go. Now, they can't protect you from the polar bears necessarily, but they can keep you warm and dry at night with some state-of-the-art tents and mini tents to take pictures of. But also, any kind of sporting equipment you need there, any kind of fan gear and accessories, up to and including your favorite team, Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if you can't get to one in person, Academy.com has you hooked up. At this point, really, there's no excuse not to make it happen. They make the show happen, and so just make it happen for them in return. Thank you guys so much. I get receipts every single day mailed to me, emailed to me, and uh, DM to me. So the other night, uh, we got, boy, we got, some, we got some feedback the other night. And not the usual kind of feedback. I always get feedback from you guys, and Jesse tells me what he thinks was wrong with the show, and then... Three or four days later, he says, oh, by the way, I think it was okay in this realm, too. But, uh, Colin, here's your good end point here. The other night, we did a segment about targeting. And it was right after the NCAA released their new proposals for rule changes. And they, they announced proposals for the faking of injuries, which we didn't think addressed anything. And they also announced a proposal about targeting. So let me quickly remind you, before I get into what I'm about to talk about, tell you about the feedback I got. Let me tell you what the NCAA did propose. The NCAA proposed that there's no change to the structure of the targeting rule. There's just going to be a new mechanism where you can appeal a targeting that got called on your player in the second half of a game. And if the appeal is overturned, then he doesn't have to sit out the first half of the next game. That's it. That's all they proposed. And that hasn't really been ratified. That's all they proposed. And so I came on this show and I said, that's ridiculous. 
um, keep your proposal. That's fine. What we really need in this sport and what anyone with common sense who's watched the game every Saturday knows we need is a clear distinction between flagrant headhunting target fouls, targeting fouls, and the kind of ticky-tack incidental targeting fouls that are costing kids games for things that they really couldn't avoid. And then I got some calls and I got some correspondence after that show that night and especially the next day from some names that you guys would absolutely recognize. And they said, hey, so I caught the show or I saw the video of, of the show floating around. And so I just wanted to give you another perspective. And the feedback, boy, it was plentiful. So here was the perspective. Essentially, it was a bunch of legalese. And it was to let me know that, hey, I'm a football fan just like you. I feel the way you do, yada, yada, yada. That was the preface. But then they wanted me and all of you in turn to know that it's not going to happen. They can't go backwards on targeting. In fact, that was the phrasing from pretty much everyone, almost like it was a talking point. We can't be perceived as going backwards on targeting. Why is that? Well, as you would imagine, there are a lot of lawyers out there frothing at the mouth. And the second that even the slightest bit of perception is put out there that the NCAA is backtracking or going backwards on targeting given all the high-profile concussion lawsuits in some cases that we've seen, in other cases that are still ongoing, class action and individual in nature, then they're going to pounce. Okay, now that was what was told to me. So then, as I told a lot of the folks that I corresponded with, and I will reiterate on this show, maybe I didn't do a good enough job of it the other night, I'm not ignorant to that. I understand that. That's not a mystery. That's not breaking news by any stretch of the imagination. That's why no one, including myself, has ever stood in the way of targeting as a principle, as a theory, as a rule. So no one's looking to do away with targeting. In fact, I, now that I think about it, I think I led the segment with this the other night. But I also get the legal side of things. And I understand we can't just look at it, you know, we, we can't have the game here and look at it through binoculars. Sometimes you got to turn the binoculars upside down and you got to view the game truly from 50,000 feet because you have to think long term and you have to ask yourself, okay, I mean, are we being penny wise and pound foolish here? Because if I get the changes I want today, could it lead to the game's extinction 10 years, 15, 20 years down the road from actions that don't even happen on a football field, but in a courtroom? I get all that. Okay, here's my follow up question Why does it always seem, at least, that this sport has no counter when anyone even whispers the word lawyer or anyone even whispers courtroom or legal action. Because here's what I want to know. And I want you to walk me through this. Okay, if you guys understand this more than I do, and many of you do, because I know we have many in the legal community who watch the show. I just want to inspect this concept that any of the proposed changes that we've suggested about structuring the targeting rule differently would be going backwards and would institute college football going backwards on targeting. Because I think when you allow it to be framed like that, and when you allow people to suggest that, well, if you put a flagrant one and flagrant two, or if you put flagrant versus incidental in the targeting rule and you create tiers, that's going backwards. When you allow that to become the status quo, when, you become, when that becomes your default, then you're allowing someone else to frame the conversation from the completely wrong angle. That's not even accurate, first off. Secondly, in terms of pure principle, it's, it's erroneous in nature. Think about this. What, what if, instead of just kowtowing to that ideology and white flagging and say, all right, all right, you said lawyer, we give up. 
What if someone stepped up with the know-how and the degree on their own and said, um, okay, well, how about we counter with this? How about we point out all the good that the targeting rule has done? Because I don't need to pull up all the numbers for you. You can do the research yourself. It's very easy to find. But year by year, you see those targeting fouls go down. You see the injury rate in college football go down, especially to the head and neck area. It's very obvious the targeting rule has accomplished what it set out to accomplish. In fact, when is the last time that you really watched a player egregiously and recklessly just leave his feet in pure crown-lowered launch mode into someone's skull? It doesn't really happen anymore. And if it does happen, it's so egregious that the entire college football world stops on a Saturday and aims its ire at that person and says, get him out of the game. Has no business in the game. That used to be celebrated. The kind of hits that used to be celebrated as recently as the early and mid-2000s are now totally castigated. And it's like you have to wave a bell in shame in the player's face. And no one wants that changed. That's what the targeting rule has accomplished. So before you want to talk about any changes constituting going backwards, hey, let me ask you this. Why don't you apply that logic to COVID? What would we do right now if we applied that logic to COVID? Because by that logic, which tells me if we change targeting in any way, we're going backwards, how can you allow fans to be in your stadiums? How were fans allowed in college football stadiums last year? Because by your same logic, wasn't that us going backwards on COVID? Or could it be that we had a big problem and we instituted policy as best we knew how, but then once the status quo started to change, okay, then we entered a phase two approach and a phase three approach. Well, someone tell me in principle terms, Someone tell me how this is any different. We instituted targeting, totally revolutionized the way defense is played, whether you like it or not, it did. And now we see that we've got a new set of issues that it has caused. And so there are some common sense approaches and some different changes and alterations we can make while keeping the core tenets in place. And you tell me that would be going backwards. In what other world, in what other realm does that logic apply? Now that's one aspect that I got a problem with. But then... I could still understand at the end of the day if you and I want to disagree on that. But man, I was talking to Dennis Dodd. So Dennis says, hey, I wrote an article about this last year and I'm going to send it to you because check it out. I got a lot of quotes in there. And so he emailed it to me and it was great because Dennis was, well, he was jogging. So he's like out of breath. So he said, Josh, I'm going I'm to send you an article. And so he sent it to me. And uh, that's more cardio than I got in that day. So hats off to Dennis. And he sent me the article and it was from last year and it was about a lot of this. It's about a 10 minute read if you want to take a look at it. but. There was a quote that stood out. Now I want you to think about the reasons that the folks I talked to gave. It was all legal in nature. But uh, Steve Shaw had another take, and I'm gonna show you a quote here in a second from Steve Shaw. That used to be the SEC head of officiating. Now he's the national uh, coordinator for officials. And Steve Shaw had, uh, had this to say. I'm gonna pull up the quote here. So Steve Shaw has this to say. This isn't a quote from the Dennis Dodd piece. It said, and this is, by the way, the context here is, He's suggesting this is what would happen if we went with those proposals, if we had a difference in targeting fouls, an incidental targeting foul and a flagrant targeting foul. Steve Shaw said, this is what you'd see. Officials don't want to disqualify players. We're all human. We have learned responses. It's not going to take long as an official to think to yourself, well, you know what? If I put my flag away and just penalize this guy 15 yards, life is easier. My grade is better. Fans won't attack me. That's going to be the learned response. That's one of the more pathetic quotes I've ever heard. What you're essentially doing there is absolving an official from having to actually do their job 
So what you have, uh, to be clear now, for those of you unfamiliar with how officiating works, you throw on a striped shirt and you go officiate any game. There's a set of rules. You're on the field to enforce them, no matter how anyone feels about it. Now, if the way people feel about it is going to bother you, there is really only one course of action you need to take. And it's not to soften the rules. It's to get in the stands, buy a ticket, because at that point you're there to be a spectator. Now, you may think, oh, that sounds harsh. Boy, that's an insanely high standard to hold officials to. Yeah, pretty much. That's the case. It's, I don't think it's too much to ask to hold officials to the mere standard of upholding the letter of the law. They already do it. I mean, again, let's use this logic across the board now. It's only fair we walk the logic through to a conclusion. Why do you ever throw flags? If you're scared, if, if that's what's going to happen, that's the learned response in the words of Steve Shaw. If that's what's going to happen, why do we throw holding penalties? Anytime you penalize the home team, you're going to get booed and you're going to get criticized. Why are we ever throwing them? You know, so that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And it's a straw man argument. If you've got a legal situation, if you've got a legal problem, then just say it. It's not like everyone in the room doesn't already understand. There's an entire legal apparatus tied to this thing. You don't have to tell me your officials are scared to call a, a flagrant targeting. Like, what does that even accomplish? That just makes you lose credibility. That quote from Steve Shaw made the entire thing lose credibility in my mind. And I'll be honest, I had not read that, I had not read that piece last year. So when Dennis sent it to me and I saw that quote, I said, oh, we're throwing that one in the show. But look, that, that quote, the, the merit or lack thereof, that stands on its own. So we can pinata that argument to death. But on the legal side of things, to be clear, when people suggest that if you change this thing in what you think is a common sense approach in any way, that's going backwards. Okay, well, uh, if we started at point A and then we drove 10 miles and then what we back up, not, we back up half a mile, we're still nine and a half miles ahead of where we were. So even if you want to call that going backwards, where the game is today, as opposed to where it was, light years better. And secondly, these alterations aren't going backwards. It's just injecting common sense into a rule right now that has no flexibility built into it. That's my take. Lawyers, feel free to disagree. Unless you're one of these lawyers that's holding my sport hostage at the moment, in which case, shame on you. I don't think any lawyers in our, in our community do that, though. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, they're watching us tonight in Eatonton, Georgia. Uh, and by the way, all of the fine citizens of Eatonton, Georgia, want to be known as Eatontonians, which makes sense because I'm from Fortson, Georgia, and we are Fortsonians. So welcome all Eatontonians to the show. Jupiter, Florida, or maybe you want to soften the J, Jupiter, Florida, they're watching tonight. And I've got evidence. I didn't just zoom in on a map. We have viewers tuned in in Gun Barrel, Texas tonight. 
And that is very apropos because we are headed to the Lone Star State Texas Mood Tracker time. I was on record, you know it, you know it if you watch the show. I was on record as saying, even before Quinn Ewers transferred to Texas, Texas and Clemson, those are the two most intriguing programs to me to watch. Those are the two where I think that there are so many different possibilities and they're really extreme in nature. Like these are programs where the talent roster alone makes you respect the possibility, whether it's 1% chance or 10% chance or 50% chance that they could really do special things. But also it could implode spectacularly because keep in mind, the expectation levels are higher at these places. So you win seven games at some places, it's a miracle. You win seven games at Clemson this year, uh, they're sounding the alarm. Well, at Texas this year, I really wonder what that number is. But we're not here to talk necessarily about wins and losses and projections for this year. We're here to do the mood tracker. The mood tracker is just a temperature of the fan base and what are they saying inside the fan base? Well, I think this is where perception does not match reality. This is one of the reasons we do the mood tracker. If you want to be totally invested in the sport and you want to be on the ground instead of, you know, floating above the surface with the casuals, that means you need to be intimately familiar with this kind of stuff. Helps you in betting down the road too, by the way. But the perception does not match what the, well, the casual perception out there does not match the reality as I have experienced it talking to Texas folks all day. I was over on Horns 24-7 today. I put the thread on the board and I'll tell you what the perception of Texas fans is. You know good and well it's true. If you're not a Texas fan out there, the perception of Texas fans is, all right, here we go. They got Quinn Ewers. They're probably already in playoff or bust mentality. Well, that's not the case. To the point where I didn't have a single Texas fan. Talked to dozens of them today. I didn't have a single Texas fan even mention the word playoff. Uh, most of them are thinking, okay, if we, if we get to eight wins, am I happy? Because they know, yeah, Quinn Ewers is great to have. And there are a lot of pluses that I'm about to talk about. But man, these folks... These folks are very, very cautious right now. A lot of them said cautious optimism. I'll tell you what I have the mood tracker set out for Texas football. I call, it, I call it the penguin shuffle. And what that is, is when you're out on ice, but you don't really know how thick that ice is, you don't walk, you don't, you don't full stride it, you penguin shuffle it. There used to be a brand of rock salt back in the day, and their entire motto, their entire slogan was walk like a penguin. That's how you have to walk when the footing is uncertain. And emotionally, that's how a lot of Texas fans are walking into the season. They're walking at a very, very glacial pace. And you know how rarely I use that word. Now look, there's a lot to like here. So I'm not trying to paint any kind of doom and gloom picture, nor are they. It is year two. So you know the old adage, you make the most improvement year one to year two. Half the time that's not true, half the time it is. Let's just blindly pretend it is for the sake of Texas football here. They've got plenty good enough talent on this roster to win any game on their schedule. We say that pretty much every year about Texas. That's no different right now. Um, they do have Alabama coming to town week two. So most any conference game on their schedule, yeah, they've got plenty enough talent to win. Quinn Ewers is a huge deal here. I mean, Quinn Ewers, this time last year, we were up in arms that he had, he had abandoned the Lone Star State to go to Ohio State. Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Quinn Ewers is the quarterback at Texas. It would surprise me greatly if he was not the starter there. Hudson Card's going to give it a good effort. I think Quinn Ewers will end up being the starter. Great recruiting. They landed a very solid class and got a lot better on the lines of scrimmage, at least in their recruiting class this past cycle. More on the line of scrimmage in a second. And listen, you got to mention addition by subtraction. I keep going back to that Bo Davis rant on the team bus. And ever since then, people realizing there's going to be a lot of just addition by mere subtraction after this last season. Well, it's happened. 
It's happened. They've overturned a huge chunk of this roster. We don't know what it means in a win-loss column scenario this year, but they've gotten better simply by some guys just hitting the exit door. So those are some good things. Those are reasons for fans to be optimistic. Then you enter caution territory. And these are some reasons why they're cautious. Lines of scrimmage, they don't believe are where they need to be yet. Uh, No Texas fan in his or her right mind is looking at the lines of scrimmage and saying, yeah, you know what? Bama's coming in here week two, but I mean, what do they have that we don't on the lines of scrimmage? No one's saying that. No, and and, and Texas fans aren't watching the playoff and saying, yeah, I, I really watch our guys in burn orange. I think we can pair favorably with these playoff teams. They know they're not there yet. That's why that recruiting class is so important. Because the first step to getting there is to get that talent on campus. Takes a little while longer for that line of scrimmage talent to develop, by and large. But at least they're on the right track to getting them in there. Also, yes, you do have Quinn Ewers. The guy hasn't started a game at quarterback. So certainly there's the unproven element at quarterback. But also, these are Texas fans. These folks are not new to this game. They got bad memories. They got scars. Fresh scars. I'm not talking about the one where, you know, you plop your leg up on the table if you're Matt Hooper saying, hey, this is a thresher shark got me. And then, you know, you're Quentin, you're telling stories about the USS Indianapolis from 30 years ago. No, those are old scars. Those are Jaws references, by the way, Jesse. Old scars. No, Texas has got fresh scars. Jesse's never seen Jaws. Got a lot of thoughts coming out of my mouth right now. Jesse, producer Jesse. Um, just, just a cinematic fawn, if you will. Never seen the movie Jaws. So a lot of these phrases, a lot of these references over his head. Did listen to a Fleetwood Mac shuffle this past week, though, so he is improving uh, like we hope Texas is. But these are fresh wounds. And so these, these people, even though the perception is Texas fans get suckered into believing every year, they, listen, they walk up to the ledge, and they're happy to look over it. And look, they know, hey, they'd be fun, but man, th- these are not people who just Thelma and Louise it over the cliff every single year. I know that's the perception, but that's not reality. The Texas folks I know, now, they got the emergency brake on, or if anything, they're in reverse. They're saying, no, 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 I want nothing to do with that cliff right now. Maybe in time. Maybe we'll grasp hands and we'll ride over that thing in time, but not right now. So they have the same approach regarding the culture. Like, these people are not stupid to some of the problems that have been the case behind the scenes there uh, that have famously crippled the program and their ability to grow, and they have the same approach about the culture. I mean, it's no mystery if you head down to old Gun Barrel, Texas, and you walk in a local convenience store and you ask him, hey, what's held Texas back? It's not going to be too far down the road of that conversation before someone says, our culture's kind of suck. We haven't gotten it right behind the scenes. We had not had the right man in here. We haven't had our Nick Saban walk in the door that, that grabs everyone up by the shirt and says, this is the way it's going to be. Well, they hope Steve Sarkeesian's that guy. I mean, it's not like he's quelled all the concerns around that place. It takes more than one season. Even if Sark was the perfect candidate, it would take more than one season to do that. So they've been burned by bad culture, too. So they're cautiously optimistic that Sark is the guy to take care of that. But remember, when you go back to last year, think about how Texas lost games. It's not that they were never in the games. They were in, like, all of them. And then they blew second-half lead after second-half lead. And I say that to say, who knows what even a 5% improvement would mean. For Texas, improving 5 7%, that could mean the difference in, like, four games. So Texas right now... Penguin Shuffle, moving forward, but very, very carefully. We are going to end the show tonight, uh, first by thanking you. This is not the end of the show, but I'm thanking you for being tuned in. Make sure you like the video, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Podcast, YouTube, all in the same, subscribe. Uh, Please, and thank you. Where are my manners? 
So we're going to do something we've never done to end the show tonight. We had a question from one of you guys, and it was a question about college football, true enough, but it was a question about real estate. Now I was unaware that this had happened today before one of you asked, but one of you asked, what are your thoughts on Lincoln Riley's new home? I just assumed he had moved into a house. I don't, I don't know. I don't keep up with this stuff. But Lincoln Riley's got himself a new home. And uh, that's not where the story ends, because I have good news. It's a, very pro- it's a very high price and high profile home in Southern California. And we've got some specs on it. So if you're not watching on YouTube, let me hit you with this. Uh, $17.2 million is what he dropped for it. Now, that sounds lofty. But look, they were asking $19 million. I have it on good authority. And by good authority, I mean front row or front office sports on Twitter. So he got it for a little bit of a bargain, only 17.2 mil, oceanfront property, not in Arizona, but in Los Angeles, California. Here we go, 13,000 square feet, seven bedrooms, 12 bathrooms, which by the way is more than there were numbers of teams in the Big 12 when he left. More bathrooms than teams. Saw Brandon Marcello point that out. Uh, Five car garage, plenty of room. Got an elevator, gonna talk about that more in a second. Seven fireplaces, not just half a dozen, that's poverty vibes. Seven fireplaces for Lincoln Riley. Got a movie theater, maybe to watch film, maybe to watch Jaws, maybe a little bit of both. You got your tennis court, I watched the video. The tennis court's right there next to a very long gated driveway, wide in nature. There's room for both lanes of traffic on this guy's driveway now. You got the tennis court, of course you got the putting green, the sauna, the steam room. Nice little 600 bottle wine room. Oh, and a guest house. So me and the production executives were watching the video because a lot of these high profile homes, they have actual videos and, you know, it's like a marketing video for the house. I mean, real estate's no joke down in Southern California. Some of the phrasing in that video was just a little bit too much for me. You got to understand, I could be a billionaire one day and I'm probably, if I'm, if I'm the coach at Southern California, I'm living in like a, a two-bedroom duplex three or four blocks from the Coliseum. It's just not the way I spend my money. But I got no problem with folks who do spend their money this way. But man, they, they described in this video the upstairs, the third floor of Lincoln Riley's estate as a place where you can end your day with grace and a sense of optimism. And meanwhile, I'm asking you guys, is it beef or chicken ramen that we're eating tonight? But Lincoln Riley's got it going on in Southern California. Now, here was some feedback I got from the staff today. Because I just look at it and I say, well, that's a pretty house. But I don't pretend to be a real estate expert. But Jesse and Colin are in their, in their uh, downtime. This is apparently one of their big hobbies. So Jesse, you know, he looked at it and he said, what's the functionality of this house? Because this guy's a football coach. And Jesse's looking at the movie theater. And that's great. But I mean, really, how much time are you spending in film? Also... If you're hanging out in a $17 million abode, exactly how eager are you to get into the office every day? Also, and Jesse said, this is a huge no-no for me and my girl. We're never going to have a house with an elevator in it. The upkeep alone, according to producer Jesse, it's just not worth the reward, the risk reward. It's very depreciating in nature. So that's not an asset that my particular staff will want in their mansions when they get a little bit older. Could be one week, could be two weeks from now, but also... You know, I think Colin said he just wants a dull house. He wants his coach to have the dullest house in the neighborhood. He wants his coach to shine on Saturdays, not Tuesday afternoon when he's walking the dog. He doesn't want the mailman saying, whoa, in his neighborhood. He wants the mailman sitting on the 45-yard line because Lincoln got him tickets going, 
Whoa, 45 to three at the half. Colin wants the dollhouse and the eclectic coach. Colin wants the coach that grabs the Pac-12 by the throat, not the Southern California real estate market. I would argue maybe he can do both, we'll see. But here's the big question. The big question for pretty much everyone is, what's the transportation situation right now? Because I, I don't know if you've heard, but traffic sometimes can be a little bit of a chore there in Southern California. Do we have access to a helicopter? That's a huge question. I want that for myself in Nashville, and I live five blocks away from our office, but we're downtown. We're in a tower downtown. So sometimes it takes me a little while to get over here, and I can see our office from my parking garage. So how's Lincoln Riley getting there? Because the last thing Jesse, Colin, and myself, we agreed that we want is our head coach in standstill traffic on the 405. We're not getting anything done there. Maybe talking to recruits, maybe not. We're not getting anything done there. But that's a look at Lincoln Riley's house. I have never done a real estate video, and I don't know how many more we'll do unless we just go stalk coaches outside their homes. But Lincoln Riley happened to have a full promotional video of his house and had several pictures. 17.2 mil, down from the initial asking price of 19. I did look it up, and for the record, uh, he had two homes in Norman. And poor Lincoln Riley, by the way, one of them still hadn't sold. And it's, I think, 1.9 mil is what he's asking for it. Just not too steep. Come on now, we gotta, we got to offset some of this cost, at least. Thank you guys so much for watching. Hey, if any of you live in a home nicer than that, I'd love to do a segment on it. Just give me some pics. And maybe even a promotional video as well. Uh, we got to get out of here. Thank you so much. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That's the theme. And then when you've done it, go get Meemaw's phone once she's gone to sleep. And subscribe on her phone as well. Then turn notifications off. We don't want to bother her by any stretch. Thank you, though, for Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, for the production executives. I'm Josh Pate. Have yourselves a great start to your weekend, and God bless you. Normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.